for me is uh, when I play. If I not feel uh, emotion myself, how can the audience feel the emotion? I'm Sean Perrin, and you're listening to episode 80 of the Clarinet Podcast, the show where I discuss all that's new and neat with clarinet with the neatest people in the industry. On today's episode of the show, I'm going to be speaking with Corrado Giuffredi about his new signature clarinet from Bakun called the CG Carbon. This is the world's first carbon fiber clarinet. Corrado also discusses his preference for using a crystal mouthpiece paired with synthetic reeds, why he plays with a double lip embouchure, and he shares advice for young musicians looking to pursue a career in music. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, I would really like to mention that I'm now working as the full-time online sales and marketing coordinator for Bakun. Um, this has been an absolute dream job for me. Um, it's I get to spend my days working with the website, dealing with customers, and of course playing and, and dealing with the clarinet. Um, the blend between technology and online and social media and clarinet has just been totally great and um, really something I've enjoyed. However, this conversation was actually recorded before any of that was even an inkling of a reality. And honestly, it would have been something I would have loved to feature on the podcast, even if I had not started working for Bakun. I can't think of something more new and neat in the clarinet world this year than a carbon fiber clarinet. And that is why I originally um, wanted to have Corrado Giuffredi here on the podcast. So, um, however, thanks to Joel Jaffe again for putting this interview together. Bakun has been super supportive of the podcast and uh, they've facilitated several conversations like this in the past with Eugene Mondi and Ricardo Morales and I believe a couple other artists. Oh, how could I forget Maury Bakun and and Joel Jaffe as well. So anyways, let's get on to today's episode here. Uh, I want to thank Megan Taylor, who is our new copywriter for the podcast here. She's putting together some wonderful show notes pages, which honestly are are way better than I used to ever do them. Uh, it's really interesting to have someone who was a previous listener putting together the show notes because I, I feel like she's doing it in a way that a listener would want them to be instead of kind of what I thought they should be. So that's really cool. Um, but basically, I guess what I'm saying is don't miss out. Head to www.clarineat.com for show notes for all episodes, and today's can be found at clarineat.com slash 80. That's the number 80. We'll get to today's episode right after a short message from our sponsor for this season, the Dario Woodwinds. Thank you so much for listening. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds. So I'm here today with the wonderful Corrado Giuffredi. Welcome to the show, Corrado. Ciao. Thank you for your, your uh, invite. I'm really happy that you're taking the time to speak with us, and uh, I just want to mention to the listeners that this is another interview that's been organized uh, by Joel Jaffe and is actually taking place at, uh, I'm in Calgary, but it's at the Bakun uh, factory there in Vancouver. So is there a particular reason you've come out, though, and t- to work on something new? I-, I saw a new clarinet there a second ago, which I believe was a secret <laughs> until only a week ago. <laughs> it was a secret. Now it's, uh, it's going uh, to be very popular. It's uh, the carbon fiber clarinet. 
carbon fiber means um, inside the clarinet is wood. Mm-hmm. Mine is cocobolo wood, and outside is uh, carbon fiber. Ah. Very long process to to make, but the the result is spectacular. So the interior of the instrument is the wood as normal, but the yes. exterior is a carbon yes. fiber. Is it like a shell? Yes, cover it. Very cool. So what yeah. is the benefit of this? Does it prevent the wood from changing shape or cracking? Or I played this uh, prototype um, by two years. Wow. Never change. At the all? Bo- the board, the all, nothing change. Nothing happened. And um, the improve is in the sound because the quality of the warm of the wood is the same, but you have a a bigger res- resonance uh, in the hall and um, and uh, really the sound is very big and uh, but I, I, again the quality is the same of wood clarinet wow so this one you said you've been playing for 2 years so this has been in development for quite some time yes yes 2 years of uh, <laughs> of uh, trying uh, because you know uh, Professional uh, things needs time, no? Absolutely. Yeah. What is the name of this instrument going to be? The name will be CG Clarinet, my initial. So it's your signature model? Yes. That's very, very cool. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm very involved about this project. When Bakuna asked to me what um, I... I think about that project. I was uh, very, very, very excited to to be the tester for this uh, new clarinet. Yeah, few artists get the chance to you know work on their own sort of instrument and provide direct yeah. feedback like that. How has it yeah. been working with with the team there at Bakun? Uh, the team are spectacular. Mori, you know, are a genius of the clarinet, and um, Joel is very enthusiastic about uh, all innovation. And Jeremy make uh, make a really a great work with this clarinet because uh, all innovation part of the the um, carbon fiber process is made uh, from uh, Jeremy. So this was a question from a listener named Gabriel. Thanks for submitting this, Gabriel. Um, he wanted to know, how did you first meet Mori, and how did this relationship develop? Uh, Mori was in Italy in the 2009 mm-hmm. for a tour with LeBlanc, with uh, his LeBlanc models. No? You remember uh, LeBlanc Legacy, LeBlanc Symphony, and, uh, and Cadenza. And um, he was in uh, Florence, uh, shop, Firenze shop, the name is Onerati, and um, there was a lot of uh, players, all the principal players in uh, Florence Orchestra, on the, maybe like uh, 100 clarinet player. I go into the shop after a long trip, because from from Lugano it's uh, like four hours driving, five hours driving, and uh, I simply, I try only an open G with the clarinet. Mori was uh, 10, me- 10 meters away, and uh, he, he looked at me, wow, you play great, but I play only one note, only <laughs> an open G. 
then we meet and uh, all the other things happen uh, in this way. So you've become fond of the Coco Bolo clarinets that they make, is that correct? Yes, yes. What is it that you love about that material? No, Coco Bolo is the warmest sound I know. It's um, really, really a great pleasure to play because uh, you can model the sound as you want. And you've become, you're sort of a pioneer in a way of uh, interesting new technology. You also love the, the, uh, the synthetic reeds. Yes, <laughs> because of Ricardo Morales. <laughs> he was playing in front of me, one meter. I was thinking, oh my God, that sound, what a sound, what a man. He showed me the mouthpiece and then turn off was a plastic reed. Wow. I was shocked because I, I haven't understand nothing different in the sound. So I tried <laughs> to be the same. <laughs> so you had a hand in designing the Legere European Signature, is that correct? Yes, yes. I am uh, one of the testers. And um, of course, <laughs> because I was the tester, I like very much this read, especially with uh, the crystal mouthpiece. Um, the match is perfect with the material, plastic and crystal. And um, the wider of the read uh, improves the sound and the uh, very upper register. For those who've never tried the Legere European Signature, um, I do want to suggest there's an episode that I'll link to in the podcast. I talked to uh, Legere about this read, actually. But for those who haven't had the chance to listen to that episode, would you just describe how it's different from a normal read and even a, another synthetic read? Uh, European read is a, a little uh, wider read, but the feeling is like a normal read. The only thing is work only with the French mouthpiece, not Germany, because Germany mouthpiece is smaller and it is too big for for them. Well, I heard it was modeled after a soprano sax reed to get that yeah. width, and then yes. there's some sort of lattice running through the Legere reed, which they couldn't really tell me about. It's some sort of proprietary technology, but but it makes the reed very thin at the tip, but also very stiff. Yeah, but uh, the European cut uh, for a clarinet is an improvement of soprano sax reed. Yes, because yes. Because the, 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 the size is quite the same. It's different in the middle. We have more material in the middle for having a very good upper register, very high register. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, the soprano reed works uh, great on the clarinet mouthpiece. But European cut are more powerful in the, in the sound. Do you play any um, cane reeds at all anymore, or you're all synthetic? I stop when uh, I switch. You know the story about uh, my switch. I listen to Ricardo, and a month later... I have a recording in Lugano, in my orchestra, a CD recording of uh, Richard Strauss' duet concertino, clarinet, bassoon, and uh, string orchestra. And um, the conductor plays uh, the, the, the entrance, you know, the clarinet solo, the very big clarinet solo is uh, two, two minutes and more. And I play with my super selected uh, cane reed, it was a Van Doren 3 and a half, U12. I play all, all the life this read. 
and uh, I play, okay? The conductor uh, asked me, Corrado, play again, please. And uh, we go to listen uh, how is the sound. So uh, we have uh, eight bar of um, uh, only string. I change my read. I put only one, the only one synthetic grid I had. I put and play. I go to listen. I was amazed by the result. The sound was uh, bigger, bigger, and uh, the the pitch and the the warm is the same of the can read. So <laughs> that was that. <laughs> it was a great, great surprise, even for me. Wow. Even for me. Why do you think it matches so well with the crystal mouthpiece? Because a crystal mouthpiece is a very, of course, a very hard material. Mm-hmm. The plastic is very uh, smooth, is correct, smooth, or yeah, smooth, velvet, yeah. velvet uh, smooth, and match perfectly. With the, with the canary reed, you have a little more buzzing in the sound. Mm-hmm. With, with the plastic one, no buzzing in the sound. It's very, the sound is very clear, very pure. And which ligature do you like to pair with the reed and mouthpiece combination? Uh, I played this Maestro Ligature by Silverstein because I am uh, I was the first one to play in Madrid Clarinet Fest directly at the, oh, wow. my concert with the orchestra. Uh, you know, it's very expensive Ligature, but uh, match perfectly with my set with Crystal uh, Leger Reed and. Um, and this ligature uh, is very, um, very good in the sound, very, very warm, and very easy to play. You know, it's funny because those have become so extremely popular, um, yeah. and I still have yet to try one. I've been to several events where they've been there, but their booth is always packed. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've tried one yet. I'm trying to think back. I'm not sure. That, I don't think so. So I'll have, yeah. to, I'll have to change that because everybody's raving about them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How do you find it is to switch the mouthpiece, though? Because it's, it's very kind of large. Does the reed slip when you change the mouthpiece to the A clarinet? or? No, I, I play with the same barrel with A and B flat. Ah, okay, okay. I suggest to all the players who play in the orchestra, of course, yeah. because you, you need a very, very fast change with the barrel. So you have you must play with one barrel. Instead, if you play if you like that, if you even the the reed is moving, maybe maybe you you don't uh, mind and you play and nothing nothing happens. Mm-hmm. I suggest to play with only with one barrel. What length do you use then? Do you because uh, generally the A barrel is a little bit shorter than the B flat, isn't it? No, I, I use the same. I use uh, 40, uh, 64 because I play for 42 and 66 when I play for 40. Oh, I see. And then you just swap that back and forth. Yeah. Oh, okay. Very cool. I noticed that that's the carbon fiber clarinet, um, but it appears that the barrel is, is not coated in carbon fiber. Is it? No. No, no. Okay. no. Barrel and bell are still uh, traditional. Ah, the okay. traditional cocobolo. And I have to ask, I, I noticed that one looks like it's silver plated, yes? Yes, this one is silver plated. The very first one was gold. Which, which do you prefer and why? 
I prefer gold, the key, but only for the, the for a great look, not <laughs> the sound. Not sound. Uh, I don't know. Don't try so 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 different. But gold look is better for me. <laughs> yeah, I really like the feel of silver. I find it's very grippy. Yeah. But I have my first gold instrument now. I recently got a Bakun Protege. Yeah. And uh, I'm really enjoying it, but I find the gold is a bit slippery, but it, it, it's actually, it's nice in a way because I'm able to slide now in, in a new way I wasn't able to before, so I've kind of been open to it. Um, yeah. I'm not sure it affects the sound. I, I have no way of comparing directly the two instruments, but uh, it does look amazing. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Let's also talk a little bit about, um, in addition to orchestral music, you also play klezmer, and I, I have to admit that unfortunately... Um, it's not something I've ever really had the chance to play, um, but I'd like to get into it. And so for someone like me or, or for those listening who have little experience with this genre, um, would you maybe give us a brief sort of uh, breakdown of what it's like to play it and, and where it originated and uh, what you love about it? Yes, but my Klesmer story begins with uh, the Giola Feynman meet in Milan mm -hmm. uh, um, in Pomarico Factory. Uh, he would like to listen to me, Pomarico, Corrado, please uh, come, Giora would like to, to meet you. And uh, I go, and uh, he was uh, so enthusiastic of my playing, but of course I play classical, I am a classical musician. And uh, invite, he immediately invited me in uh, Israel, in Jerusalem, uh, to play with him. Giora, I, I play nothing or classical. Don't worry, I, I know your soul is Klesmer, your soul, your soul is Klesmer, don't worry. So, I, I, I go, I went to Israel for the first time in, the, in uh, 2010, and uh, every two years I come back and they love me very much and play uh, classical and some uh, Klesmer piece, very popular. The uh, funny story about um, Giora Feynman and me, that um, I play in, the, in that festival in uh, Safed, the old city of uh, Israel, of Galilee, um, I play the, the piece of Bela Kovacs, no? uh, you know, Shalom Alek, uh, Rolf uh, Feynman. At the end of the piece, uh, Giora comes to me, Corrado, what piece uh, is this? Giora, is a piece written for you? Ah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a very good piece. Ma, Giora, it's written for you, Bela Kovacs, dedicated to you. Ah, I doesn't know. Ah, can I play this piece? <laughs> and, <laughs> it was funny because then he recorded this piece and... Uh, <laughs> so had he actually never heard it before or he just forgot? And, no, 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 no. He had actually uh, not Kovacs, heard it. Uh, doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't try to Giora to, to have a new piece for him. He's uh, dedicated to him, and uh, but he doesn't know. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah. So you talk about, I watch, and I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes. There's some really great videos of you um, playing some klezmer music on YouTube. You've got a very uh, nice YouTube channel. Anyone should check that out. Yeah. I'll, I'll link to yeah. it in the show notes. Um, yeah. But you also talk about some klezmer techniques at the Bakun factory there in, yeah. a, in a few videos. Yeah. Um, yes. 
How is Klezmer playing different than other styles? Well, it's not so different. You you have uh, more uh, more effect than classical, but during this period, this day, all the clarinet can do this. Uh, the only thing is different, and you must put uh, your emotion and uh, your soul in the music. This is a, a little different. Many many players stay a bit, uh, stay a little bit uh, worried about this, no? To to have this uh, kind of uh, of uh, participation in the in the music. So you mean more like an active role in the, the almost the composition of the piece as you play through improvisation, yes. right? Yes, but for me it's very it's not so difficult because even when I play Beethoven or Mozart or Brahms, I am involved with my emotion very much. So mm-hmm. it's not too. For me, it's not so difficult, but um, for many players, there is a, a barrier between the, the styles and different music. Do you feel that klezmer playing helps your classical playing and vice versa? Or? Yes, of course. Yeah. Of the, all the, the style I play help me in the classical, for sure. And the classical help me in the other style, of mm-hmm. course. You know, this is a random question that just came to me, but... Do you play double lip? I noticed there's no patch on your mouthpiece. Yes, I play double lip. <laughs> when I was a child, I started at 10. Okay. My teacher told me, play double lip because uh, in conservatory they want a double lip. Okay, I put double lip and never change. Really? <laughs> this is, yes. And I can play stand-up all the time without any papers, any, any teeth protection. But um, when uh, my student comes, I don't change the the embouchure. Mm. I don't change because uh, I know if if it's not natural, it's very painful. No. It's yeah. Painful. So it just so, comes naturally to you. Because yes. I was going to ask when you switched, but I guess if you started that way, then no, no, no. I started. Uh, I was ten. <laughs> <laughs> when did you start improvising? No, improvising. I try to improvise, but I am not a jazz player. So this might be my own ignorance then, but doesn't Klezmer have a fair bit of improvisation in it? Yes, but the the harmony is very simple. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need so much, no? no. This is like, you're too modest. (laughs) No, 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 no. This is uh, only the truth. I would like to be a jazzman, but uh, I have no time to practice, to study, because, uh, you know, I have only one life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> you, you talk a lot about the expression and the emotion that comes yeah. when you play klezmer music, and even with classical music. Um, for you, which came first? Like, was it when you listened to the music that you you became very passionate about it, or, or when you started playing, you wanted to share your emotions? Yes, of course, for me, is uh, when I play. If I not feel uh, emotion myself, how can the audience feel the emotion? Yeah. It's impossible. Great answer. So before we go, or before we start um, looking at the lightning round, which is a set of short questions all to be answered in under a minute, um, Maury mentioned a funny story as he headed out the door there a minute ago, I was going to ask what that was all about. Something about, uh, something about the carbon clarinet. No, because yesterday during the, I was trying, 
and I put the clarinet on the floor. Then I came back with my chairs and the clarinet fold oh up. Oh my God. But very strong. Boom! Like that. Wow. And the clarinet do nothing. <laughs> really? <laughs> was a great taste. <laughs> so wait, do you think the carbon fiber would help it be more durable then? No, for sure is my... Is, uh, the material is very resistant, you know. <laughs> and even the, the, the super sport car yeah. used the, the carbon fiber elements, no? Is it lighter? Yeah, the, the, the weight is the same of the wood. When are they going to be available and uh, what is the production going to be like? Do you know? If I understand correctly, uh, Joel told me from the next year. Okay. Uh, I don't know if January or March, but... Uh, from the next year. You think there'll be a waiting list for them or will production be pretty small at first? Already there are a oh, waiting really? list. Oh, <laughs> really? Wow. This is way they, they start to production. There, yeah. there are many requests. Wow, crazy. What advice would you have for young musicians looking to make a career in music? Ah, this is a very good question. Um... To be a musician is a mix of uh, several things. Um, talent is the first, but it's not all. Uh, why? Because uh, without uh, practice, study, another uh, part very important is the how you are like a person. The character is very important to be to be a, a musician because there are a lot of things. You travel, you meet a, a lot of people. You have to do very 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 fast uh, to to um, to do things, to do to playing, uh, to to understand all the all the sumatur of the life. Uh, of a musician are. So I think we had a wonderful conversation here today. Um, now we're going to move on to the lightning round, which is a set of seven questions I like to ask every single guest. And um, they're all designed to be answered in about a minute. But uh, feel free to, if you have a story that comes to mind, feel free to share it um, as we move along. Okay. So if I were to walk over to your music stand right now, what would I find? What are you currently working on? <laughs> I'm working on the, this is a very new project with uh, Cosette Frank Ballister. I have uh, uh, Galanta Dances, Danza di Galanta, for two clarinet. Ooh. All the piece. We will be recording tomorrow. Oh, wow. Video. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. What piece of music or album uh, changed your life irreversibly? Yeah, Eddie Daniels, Bergthrob. Oh, great. If you could play any instrument other than the clarinet, which would it be and why? Mm, I play at the very beginning the, the alto saxophone, but only for one week. I play the clarinet. I think it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Harry Sparnai. He started on saxophone too. Yeah, but uh, only one week. Really, really, really. Brief. Not long. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we could go back in time to meet any musician, who would it be and why? Uh, 
<laughs> Big question. Uh, I would like to meet uh, uh, a composer who wrote who wrote for clarinet. I would like, I would love to to be one of the of the um, uh, inspiration for them, of course. But it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> Which composer in particular? Can you think of one? I, I'm so sorry that uh, Tchaikovsky doesn't uh, wrote a clarinet concerto. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Some, of, some of his symphonies are my favorites. Yes. Even Sostakovich. I like uh, Russian music. But yeah. they don't write <laughs> a clarinet concerto. Which Tchaikovsky symphony is your favorite? The six, uh, Pathetica, but uh, even the, 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 the others is great. Even the first, the very first one, has a beautiful, beautiful clarinet solo at the beginning. Mm -hmm. But of course, Pathetica is the best for the clarinet. I have to say, I love four, though. It's something about it. Yes, it's yes, nice. of course. So. But a uh, little worry about also zero. I mean, you don't sleep very well the, <laughs> the night before. <laughs> if you could, uh, while we're back in time, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? So, okay, maybe, maybe more time for my life uh, without the music, but... Now, 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 music is a part of my life ever. So, so you spent a, just a ton of time practicing when you're younger. Yes. Eh? Yeah. 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 Living in the practice room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to joke when I was in university that, uh, you know, we had practice rooms, but they didn't have any windows. Yeah. Uh, and it was just, it was, you felt, you know, it was beautiful outside in the summer and you're yeah. just locked in this little, it's like a jail cell yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I've always thought it was unfortunate we didn't have windows in the rooms because <laughs> you, you need that kind of connection to the yeah. real world when you're yeah. preparing for something. So this last one is a new question. Um, how many clarinets do you own? I have a lot. I have uh, even a clear clarinet. Oh, the uh, buffet one? Yes. Those are very rare now. Yes. <laughs> it's the only buffet I have. It's the clear one. Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Giora Feidman plays that one too sometimes, yes, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I know. <laughs> a couple other artists do, and, and usually, um, is it like a brass keys on that one? Is it, what is the, it's like... Um, no, it's uh, Rame. Rame is... Uh, copper? Copper. Copper, copper okay. Yes. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I've never seen a plating like that. I, uh, I've seen a few people playing that instrument. I've never actually got to try one, but uh, how, what's it like? No, it's very good. Maybe Buffet stop to produce, to produce because it's very good and very inexpensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is the material? Is it just a plastic of it's sorts? It's acrylic. Acrylic. Oh. Yeah, those are very rare. I, I saw one on eBay recently going for an absurd price. So, so yeah. we'll hold on to that one. <laughs> the collectors. <laughs> yeah. Collectors. If you, if you had to give a number, though, more than 10 clarinets you own? More? Like, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> More. I have a minimum 25. Wow. That's a lot. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Oh, and, uh, it's a great pleasure. I encourage everyone to check out your YouTube channel, and I'm going to post some links in the show notes to some of the uh, yeah. klezmer lessons and performances that you've done. And uh, yeah. 
and I hope you enjoy your stay in Vancouver. Okay, thank you very much. Wonderful speaking with you. Thank you, Carado. Detailed show notes for today's episode can be found at www.clarineat.com slash 80. If this is your first time, or even if it's your 80th time checking out the show, I want to thank you so much for listening, and I do hope that you enjoyed it. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you happen to be listening, and you can even leave a review if you're feeling extra generous. You can also keep in touch by following us on social media and by joining the email mailing list. I send out updates about new content and sometimes even coupon codes for discounts on apparel and more. If you'd like to get in touch directly, please send all feedback to feedback at clarineat.com. I'm your host, Sean Perrin, coming to you from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I'll see you next time for more of what's new and neat for Clarinet on the Clarinet Podcast. I'd like to thank Megan Taylor again for being our new copywriter for the show, and I'd like to thank listeners like you for making the show possible. If you'd like to help out directly and support the show on an ongoing basis, you can do this at clarinet.com support. Of course, today's episode was also brought to you by our season sponsor, Daria Woodwinds. Sanding, shaping, balancing. For centuries, mastering your instrument meant mastering these crafts too. But now, D'Addario is refining craftsmanship for the 21st century by refining their reeds and mouthpieces with the world's most innovative techniques, so you can spend less time sanding, shaping, and balancing, and more time perfecting your own craft. To learn more about the new era of craftsmanship from D'Addario Woodwinds, visit daddario.com woodwinds.